It is a holy day, a day of reckoning. Record his feature, please. Thankful for it to the Delta Quadrant. My name is Joseph. And I'm your co-host, Peter. Peter, what episode of Voyager did we watch this week? <laughs> uh, season one, episode four, Repression. <laughs> I see what you did there. Yes. Yeah, I do. What I'm, what I'm saying is, uh, hey, season seven, episode four, Repression. Season two called, and they wanted their basic-ass plot back. This is a th- very weird throwback and it fits with the the concept i have repeated a few times now which is it's the last season of the show so we should do the x thing right like we need to have the x episode where where we we revisit something from earlier because we just want to feel like we're we're putting some kind of conclusion or wrapping some some things up even if there wasn't necessarily a plot line to specifically wrap up in that regard joe if you're correct in what you're saying and this was season seven essentially saying goodbye maki plot then what an awful fucking way to do it yeah this is it i'm sorry to say that's exactly what this is this is the end of the maki plot this is the very last time I th- yeah, this is the last time the the Maquis being the Maquis is relevant to a plot of Star Trek Voyager. This is it. This is the very end. Regardless of how you feel about the topic, okay, the Maquis conceptually is one third of the Star Trek Voyager formula, right? It's a Starfleet crew far from home in another part of the galaxy forced to cohabitate a vessel with criminals and fugitives. Right. Exactly. This is the, the, the internal drama that drives along with the parallel main course, which is we're far from home and we need to get home. And what do we have to do to do that? There is this internal drama of, Oh, we also have a kind of class divide. And a, and a theological divide and a, a political divide within the ship because we're starting with mostly Starfleet people, but this core of actual factual terrorists that we were hunting, that we were literally out here to put into space jail, that we now have to integrate into our crew, including having them be senior officers and the first officer to successfully get back home. It should have been a vehicle a bottomless pit wealth of of plot conflict and and character development and good story and instead we got roughly a season maybe and a half if not just one season of actual focus by the show on the one third of the crew that were space terrorists the last episode that actually factored this into the plot was worst case scenario, which was itself almost a quaint throwback to the earlier period when it was relevant. Right. So worst case scenario, that was the episode where Balan is poking around in the holodeck buffer and finds the uh, coworker murder simulator 2479. Uh, which and... for the record 
is a fantastic episode and and easily one of my favorites. One of the best episodes of the show. And the, the whole premise of the episode is based around this conflict is over and it has accidentally come back up because of finding this program, but not in real life. In real life, everyone thinks this is a fun diversion because they have long settled this this issue between them. And the the problem comes from the fact that digital Seska comes to try and murder everybody. The the in in terms of the actual uh, plot of the, the show, I don't C- Cyber Seska. Cyber Seska. Okay. Ooh. I like Cyber that. Cyber sexy. <laughs> sounds dominatrixy. Yeah. I love it. I, which, you know, let's face it, Seska, that's what she's into. I'm just calling it. I don't know if that's head canon. I don't know if it's real canon. But head I head feel head. it. And I think the last time last actual episode. Where in the storyline this mattered was the season one finale, the the fucking care care bear stare, space my little pony magic space friendship is magic episode, <laughs> like where Janeway uh, and and Tuvok the train and Tuvok takes him through training courses and eventually like goes in and saves one of them from toxic gas and that's all they needed to do, mm, and, and oh and Chakotay punched Dolby, <laughs> it, that's that's where the cheese cripples the ship. Correct. Um, now, interestingly, uh, worst case scenario. Uh, God, what season was that? Uh, very end of season three, right before Scorpion Part One. I think we discussed it then. Like that was sort of the the soft ending to Voyager, right? They weren't sure if they were going to get renewed, and I think by most accounts, worst case scenario felt like a spiritual we're, we're done right if if we don't get renewed for another season this is a great note to go out on it does resolve a lot of stuff and um and off it goes i don't Whereas, think they were in any danger of getting canceled i don't know but i still think that was like a thing i i i, I felt I, like more we're closing the book on this part of the story and, you know, there that was literally the next episode, you know, the Borg are, are introduced as a major antagonist. Uh, the next episode after that in season four, you have Seven of Nine, and the show is going in a completely different trajectory from that point I think forward. if you go back and reread the the Memory Alpha, there's quite a bit of attention that gets called to the, that, that there was plans that that was a good stopping point if they need to I agree with I agree with that idea. I'll, I'll grant that that, like... If the show ended on that point, it kind of like, okay, like I get that that would be a good stop. And to that end, I think had they played worst case scenario as episode four of season seven, it would have worked just as great in that position there. This story, however, uh, is fucking terrible. This was a miserable episode to watch. It is the disgusting return of Detective Tuvok. So uh, it is just a bore, boring trudge to try and get through um, that I think by the end left me feeling like it was one of those time thief episodes from from early season one, season two, where it's just nothing of value gained or lost. You've got this real goofy sh- episode in a bottle format that comes back up like the high point of this entire episode for me is that smoldering catcher puts his umpire vest back on. He, he does. They, the, we see the final return of the 
uh, rainforest cafe maki uh, uniforms that date back all the way to caretaker in in their original configurations on everybody. Like balan has got that little jacket. Uh, you got like, smoldering catcher guy literally with his catcher gear with a phaser the, rifle being the heavy. This means that everybody, one of two things, everybody who was integrated into the Voyager crew took off the clothes they were wearing and said, gee, one day I might have to put this shit back on. So I'm just going <laughs> to just fold gonna it up it real quick. I'm going to fold it up and put it back under my bed just in case. And through all the shit they go through, right? All the near death experiences they share. Everyone hangs on to their shit for whatever reason. Stevie watched this. Stevie watched this one with me, which she doesn't usually do these days. And she had the same reaction of like, did they just have that shit in their closet still? Why would you still have that outfit? It's awful. Option two, which is the dope option, I think, is that like you use the replicator as your clothes drawer, right? Right. And just say, okay, uh, computer, give me Peter outfit Wednesday three. And that the computer just has the, you know, the file and configuration of everybody's dirty fucking... Well, they've got the file because they put the stuff on when they go to the Cardassian murder cave that Bolana set up, you know, to get those old feelings back. <laughs> so, um, a few things for our, our listeners who may not have been here the whole ride, okay? There's a few long-term jokes that this, I think, our commentary is going to be de- depend on. We've already brought up one of them which is the smoldering catcher guy. He's called that literally because of the outfit he wears near uh, Lieutenant Ayala to Detective Tuvok being our least favorite thing. This goes only back to, I think, like the fourth fucking episode of the show. Expose Facto. Expose Facto when, when, when Tom fucks the shithead lady and it turns into a murder mystery directed by LeVar Burton and it is just awful and boring as fuck. And was one of those first episodes of like, oh, this show might be bad. <laughs> like, this is this is actively hostile to sentient life. And ever since then, every time an episode depends on Tuvok being the investigator slash uh, uh, detective, uh, it is goes from ex- one acceptable case, but only because there's a weird grinder hookup at the end, and then everything else is random just te- thoughts. Yeah, random thoughts and everything else is just different grades of terrible. And this is no different. He's not a compelling character in this circumstance because he's a fucking Vulcan. He's not showing any emotion. It's just a robot going through playing playing uh, at, at being uh, Sherlock Holmes. It sucks. Story by Kenneth Biller, a.k.a. Kenneth Bewilder, directed by Rick Colby. Rick Colby's last Voyager mm. episode. And what a turd to go out on. That's a real shame. Kenneth Biller Kenneth Biller likes Detective Tuvok. Random Thoughts was a was a Kenneth Biller. Uh and I bet you if we dig up some of the other Detective Tuvok episodes, it'd be the same guy at the helm. We open up with a little grimy terrorist cave. And you've got some Bajoran guy who's chanting religious hymns and digging around paper schematics of voyager it's kind of a dope blueprint 
not gonna lie i would love to have it in my uh, office i area. would love to have that in my office area as well but you know what i don't live in the fucking 24th century where i can't think of anything more barbaric than having trees murdered and turned into paper when you could just have you know dedicated ipads laying all over the place and 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 this dude's holed up in some little afghanistan shithole terrorist compound <laughs> and he starts in terrorist cave yeah and uh i i described the 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 very clearly bad guy for this episode as the overaged shitty looking front band guy right like this is the okay guy that, i get it i get it okay yeah this is the guy playing at the bar next to the marina where rich people are docking their boats this is the guy who really almost made it big 20 25 years ago like he was like really on the periphery maybe he even had was signed to something but things just did not work out and uh, he hasn't figured out something else to do so you know he plays for basically minimum wage at the local clubs you know but like he's got a little bit of a following and and he gets like charity work because he's been around for so long (laughs) that's this guy yeah he starts booping around his computer, and according to Memory Alpha, I was very impressed that you knew Chakotay's ship's name off the cuff the way you did, because, oh, geez, what episode was it? Chakotay was just talking. He just called it, yeah, called it a ship, and I'm like, it's called the Valjean! And I'm like, Chakotay, what the fuck? How did I miss the fact that they they revealed the name of that? I always just knew it as his little, uh, his, his El Camino that they used to cruise around, but yeah, the computer that uh band dirty band guy is looking at has uh the crew roster for the valjean which about hmm, was this a nod to jean-luc picard well no this is it this is a nod to les miserables uh valjean was the protagonist of les miserables the uh noble thief um that was pursued by the you know, the avatar of law that you know one put him in in prison he spent 20 years in prison for stealing a loaf of bread and all that so it's it's meant to invoke the sort of noble french rebel star trek kind of has a hard on for les miserables particularly with the maquis maquis being a french word as well uh there's a character from ds9 who is obsessed with the same comparisons that's what it's supposed to be that said I don't think it's ever mentioned in dialogue over the course of the show. And this may be the only time you actually see it on screen, which is why it wound up in all the secondary material correctly, because on that screen, when they're showing the, the, the crew of the Valjean, you see the name of it. Teaser's really quick. It's like a few seconds of this kind of obviously crazy Bajoran guy kind of going on about something. And then it is cut right back to Voyager. We get to pick back up with Tom's bullshit. Dragging uh, his now wife, Balana, to something he wants to do. Yes, very on brand. Uh, after the special effects spectacular drive, it's clear that Voyager was on a uh, budget conscious episode. So all interior shots here with our very exotic location we get dragged to is a, uh, a movie theater. Yeah, a 1930s movie theater that somehow looks like a Holiday Inn. <laughs> totally not a Regal Cinemas with some deco crap hanging up. The I I do love that uh their co- their outfits, their civilian outfits cuz Tom Paris looks like he's in some sort of weird sort of almost like 
like the Chinese kung fu shirt thing going, uh, except it doesn't go all the way down, and you know it's just kind of some comfy pajamas, and uh, Balana looks fantastic in this like black velvet dress, like she's put effort in, right? Like she looks nice, you know, got those guns showing from taking all those push ups in 1997. She's still got surplus, obviously, <laughs> you know, doing great with that, and then meanwhile, like. Uh, fucking tom is wearing his goddamn pjs <laughs> into the movie theater like ah uh, capsulating the relationship i love it mm-hmm. gets his popcorn out sits him down they start watching uh creature from the black lagoon or something and it's a 3d movie which i do enjoy balanus making fun of the fact that he's used a 3d rendering device to project a 2d image on the screen that then becomes 3d with the assistance of of glasses and i think that encapsulates that that tom whole that bullshit whole holding a shot of her reaction to it and then tom likes reaction to it and her just like looking at it repeatedly like why are you this way <laughs> it was it was one of the better moments between them over the last few episodes so uh the scene plays out a little bit and it starts to devolve into them fooling around and tom's like you know people didn't come to the movies just to uh watch movies and i was like it is is that the real date here it's not them here to watch a movie it's them to like fuck in a theater with people around is this like safety net voyeurism because that's 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 pretty kinky like that's what an interesting use of the 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 holodeck not my cup of tea uh and then we find out it's also not balanas either as tom deletes the entire audience so they can just go doggy right there in the row but <laughs> kind of like how we were joking about in Fairhaven when um Janeway starts jumping on bartender Michael's bones like what happens when you wipe the room out and there's still one person over then you find out that oh we weren't alone after all yes and instead of uh what our, our supposition was back during the uh this our return to Irish town which is just somebody who was there drinking, you know, part of the, the open door simulation just accidentally got caught up in the captain being horny. Oh my um, God. I just saw the captain's nipple. Uh, this is in fact, what appears to be an unconscious body. And uh, Tom's like, what the fuck? So uh, the glitch blonde is like, no, that's Tabor. Who is someone we have seen before? This is Ensign Tabor from the episode when uh, Bolana didn't want to have surgery done on her by Space Mangala. Oh, uh, is he the guy that was complaining about uh, the hologram? Yeah, like, how dare you bring Space Mangala into this because I, my Bajoran family was wiped out by Space Mangala. That's this guy. That's Ensign Tabor. Same actor. Oh. Same dude from, like, two seasons ago. I don't know why they pulled this guy out and it's not uh, Dolby. Like the the lack of Dolby in a couple spots in this episode is this episode is the most unforgivable crime. <laughs> like there's there's clear spots where Dolby needed to be there providing the dialogue between the Maquis. Yet for some reason we could find the Tabor guy, but not the Dolby guy. It's conflicts in scheduling, I'm sure. Uh so they turn the lights on, they find out, yeah, it's Tabor. Uh Starfleet crew member has been knocked the fuck out. Let's call everybody down. Janeway's taking a look. He's in sick bay. Uh, and here comes Detective Tuvok. And Janeway turns to him and says, Tuvok, I'm putting you in charge of this investigation. It's like, it's a chief of security. Fucking obviously. 
Tuvok, I want this crime solved. Therefore, I've appointed Naomi Wildman as the <laughs> chief investigator of this crime. Tuvok, it's a slow week on the ship. We haven't been attacked and I'm getting bored. This might be fun. I'm going to appoint you for your incompetence so things don't get solved in a timely manner and we can have some fun with this. If I actually wanted this solved, I would just appoint seven of nine. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes, and yes, because unlike season one and season two episodes where Detective Tuvok gets to be front and center, you now have the smartest human in the universe on the ship who gets zero seconds of on screen. She gets to walk out of an elevator, I believe, and that's about it. Yeah, and then she's in the last shot in the movie theater, too. I think this might be the first time in a long time, maybe ever since she's been on the show. Seven of Nine has zero dialogue. She's on screen momentarily and that is it she says nothing they put her in plot time out she must have been naughty <laughs> no if Janeway really wanted the uh mystery solved she would have appointed detective neelix who gets shit done and dumps uh traitors crew members into hell so judge neelix i am the law <laughs> would you like some little roots too <laughs> double whammy we get a we get a quick couple cuts here of Tuvok investigating. Um, he he goes back to Tabor's uh, quarters. Uh, someone's already in there. Uh, got it. Also has a uh, rank insignia. All the Maquis have the same provisional rank insignia, the bar rank insignia. So it's a nice visual indicator to know when someone's Maquis without you know you have to be told in advance. So. Uh, we've, we've got another Maquis person in there that's a friend of Tabor who's like, I was getting him a book to read him. And Tuvok's like, I don't think that's going to work out for you, GTFO. She's like, oh, well, I heard that, um, you know, a familiar voice can help coax people out of comas. And it's like, yeah, Tuvok, you should know, man. Like, didn't speaking of Neelix, didn't he drag you out of your coma with reading you stuff he stole out of your room back in the the simple jack episode oh god yes that that is exactly what happened what a a little what a fucking hater like you know this is a proven medical procedure and you're just trying to prove it on you tuvok (laughs) i feel like it's been proven a few times like uh people ending up in sick bay in a coma with their personal belongings strewn about by sticky fingers uh, gets the job done. Uh, they have a quick meeting in the ready room with Janeway and Tuvok's like, it was someone on the crew. I think it was that woman I ran into earlier. And Chakotay's like, uh, you sure about that? It seems weird. I guess I'll go like, you know, check my reports or whatever. And then gives uh, Tuvok and Janeway a moment where Tuvok's like, yeah, I, I have a hunch that it's absolutely someone in the crew. And Janeway's like, that's weird. You're a Vulcan. <laughs> Why are you hunching? And it's like, that's for me. That's for me to do. You know, I hunch. There's a trap. We go in it. That's how this works. <laughs> you sure you... that this isn't just like uh, time traveling Lego blocks or something that might be knocking people out? She alludes to that of being like, you know, we weren't into weird shit all the time. Are you sure it's not weird shit? And he's like, no. It's definitely someone on the crew. This is someone in the crew assaulting other crewmates. This hasn't come up since Lon Suter, who I coincidentally put in my brain. 
Oh man, what a what a completely missed plot point. This episode could have been so much better if it was the return of Murder Lawn out of his head. How interesting you should mention about six lines of notes on my page here, Joe. Oh uh, yeah, like this. I mean, you would have had to. The whole last third of this episode would have to have gone thrown in the trash if it's just like the feelings of murder lawn coming back to like reassert themselves. But uh, they need we we stand so hard for lawn suitor on this podcast that I, it gets repetitive, I know, but this really is a perfect opportunity to bring that back. This would have been. A shame. This would have been the the Kess treatment, basically. If they dug Lon back up and like revilified him, I don't think he deserved that. I no, think he had a redemption arc. The right way to handle this is the only interesting thing about Tuvok, because T- Tuvok is a complete character. Tuvok does not have flaws. Tuvok is interesting when he's being a catty little bitch. When his logic gets turned off and he can real talk people, right? Right. And in the absence of those two things, uh, joking aside, Tuvok has a very violent mind and they've right. never really fleshed out why that is. Like we know that Vulcans are a very emotional race and that's why they have to fight to keep that stuff in check. But my impression of Tuvok over the past six years is that he is darker than most for some reason it came up very heavily in the bewilder episode we just talked about which was random thoughts came up a lot in tank girl episode tank as well. girl and and there's been a couple other times that this has popped up tuvok literally has footage from event horizon in his brain mm-hmm. okay tuvok's got some real dark shit going on in there so i think if if they wanted to make this episode relevant or interesting Instead of this goofy Maquis Bajoran cultist guy, whatever, you know, give Tuvok a real Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde episode where he is forced to confront why it is he has this very dark part in him. And you could even turn the the suitor element from the heel to the face, which is to say his experience mind melding with Lon and helping Lon through taming his murderous side to the point where Lon was filled with regret and remorse when he ultimately had to turn back to violence to save the, uh, the ship, you know, in his, his last stand um, could very well have been like a lingering presence in his own mind. He didn't mind meld with the guy. If you're going to give me hallucinations of some fucking rando, I don't care about get that Brad Dorf money out of there. Yeah. And and give me some lingering hallucinations of a redeemed Lon Suter coaching evil Tuvok off the ledge. That would yeah. have been a great episode for season seven. It would also tie up all of the Maquis stuff. Like, even if you made this episode about what at core it is, which is like some old Maquis business comes back. You, at the end, we have a big unresolved question, which is Tuvok manages to break his mind conditioning but you never see how, why it's just, he apparently did at some point during the, uh, you know, the events and, you know, helps save the day. Right. Oh, spoiler. I know like we're going to get there the rest of our like half hour fucking talking about this, but instead of providing no explanation, the explanation could have been, you know, he reaches in deep and Lon helps him figure like, Oh, 
You're having murder impulse problems. I know of these. Let me now help you. You know, well past the grave, let me repay you for what you helped me do. Beautiful. Would have been great. Mm. Look at all that squandered potential. Right on brand. We're really good at spotting this potential. (laughs) That's our brand. Mm -hmm. 21 years too late. (laughs) 21 years in a wrong state, in a wrong time zone too late. Uh, So we flip over to my favorite thing ever an opportunity to bitch about flashlights. Excellent. Yes. We get some fucking Maquis, no-name jabroni, uh, gets dispatched up into the Jeffries tubes, and uh, he's going to fix things, and there's already word on the street that someone had attacked a Maquis crew member. And the lights go dark, and the doors quit working, and all of a sudden, uh, another person's in the Jeffries tube. And a flashlight, a blinding flashlight is put on this guy's face and he tries to radio people for help and escape. None of the technology's working and the light starts coming closer. And I'm like, this is bullshit. It, this is, Joe, if you've got a fucking light and it's strapped to your wrist and I have to point at you like I'm Superman flying with my fucking fist, like I'm about to one inch punch you, right? And you're going to crawl on what should be all fours, but you're on all threes <laughs> while trying to keep the flashlight up. And, like, you visualize what Tuvok looks like fucking doing this. He looks... You ever see the third-person view of characters in Cyberpunk 2077? <laughs> like, it's on teeth. Yeah, they're just, like, super janky, and their arms are, like, above their head while they're doing shit. <laughs> it's like that. He's, like, he's, like, some weird Japanese horror film, <laughs> kind of, like, three-legged, like, moving through the Jeffrey's tube. A fucking hand coming out from the back of his head through the hair to grab the flashlight and hold it. What would have happened to happen was that Tuvok would have had to admit to himself that the wrist flashlight is stupid and gone to the replicator and replicated like one of those lamps that you like is held to your head by a by a sweatband that joggers use. And 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 that's how that would have to work. Uh, lo and behold, the guy's not able to escape. And once you know, a second Maki guy turns up knocked out. So they pick up in the med bay. And the doctor's explaining to everybody that, like, they're not really assaulted, but they have been attacked. And there's micro fractures on their skull around the temporal lobe and the jaw and fucking Tuvok standing there looking like he's trying to swallow a live fish and everything. seems <laughs> off. And I'm like, this is the most guilty, fucked up, obviously wrong. Someone has looked on the ship since Tom was wearing a trash bag. I wonder how good they were at noticing that though. Like Tom, their valued friend and colleague slowly wasting away while wearing a trash bag. And everyone's like, boy, Tom seems really into this new ship he got, but he should, we should tell him he needs a shower. Like <laughs> this standing there looking around like a dog that just shit on the carpet. Right? Like <laughs> this is very clearly Tuvok forcibly mind melding people and like how long are they going to string this weak ass plot along um and and god bless them they 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 push it they really go for the gusto here and and drag this bitch out as long as possible so a bunch more uh, bodies start showing up janeway and and chakotay are in sickbay talking to the doctor and chakotay's like hey take a look at the names they've all been attacked guess what they all are 
Janeway's like, are they all a bunch of Al-Qaeda members? <laughs> I do remember that you were all Al-Qaeda members. And he's like, yes, they are. My people are being attacked by your people. I have that moment. It's kind of, it's kind of like dumb. It's just... How great if that was season two when this was at all yeah. relevant and it's appropriate. Just, we're so past this being a thing. It felt awkward that Chakotay would go right to that. Chakotay might as well have dropped an end bomb. That's how <laughs> out of place. Whoa. Whoa. That's how out of place this dialogue is. Okay. You take all the stuff we said about um, Balana struggling with her Klingon heritage in the Ron Moore episode last season and how it's way too late. Same deal here, right? So Chakotay gets all the Maquis together in a room up in, I think, probably the mess hall and starts telling people like, hey, we got to be careful. I want you to pair up. He said some other stuff. I was completely distracted by the fact that apparently there's a female Vulcan in the Maquis. We've seen her before in the background, I believe. Yeah, I think we have. Maybe maybe I'm just thinking of the scene the last time I saw this episode, but I swear we've seen the, the, the very severe cut red uniformed Vulcan lady in the past and that she was Maki affiliated and we just never get any fucking history on her. Obviously she doesn't even have a word of dialogue in this episode, man, the stories they could have told there, like talk about something I never would have thought that would have been the case, but like, I guess that's why you would buy Tuvok too, right? Like that you actually have Maki true believers amongst the uh, Vulcans. Maybe, but I think you could have a really great rivalry or shitty relationship between those two. Uh, more squandered potential. I'm glad we were able to fit in. Jeez, uh, what's some of those clown episodes we just had to fucking barrel through? In season six, like most of it. <laughs> uh, that piece of garbage where they were trying to, where Chakotay almost killed everybody trying to get a crusty old satellite. Glad they... we got that story instead of, you know, Kuvok's feud with another Vulcan. <laughs> we're getting bitter. <laughs> um... Season sucks hurt me. <laughs> so I have the big confab in the mess hall. There's Chell. There's the bully and Chell. This is this is a hey, character. We, I, I remember seen, him. We haven't seen. I don't, have we? I think we've seen Chell since uh, Learning Curve. I know. I think we have. No. Have we not? We yeah, we have not seen him since that. We have not seen him since Space Friendship is Magic, where Jesus, he went to the yeah. Tuvok boot camp and learned the power of love and compassion. He has a walkie-talkie with Torres, who is his partner, where he starts shit-talking pretty much the entire crew uh, and accusing anybody and everybody of being the potential person behind assaulting the Maquis, including um, special guest star Jerry Ryan, 79, <laughs> as she walks off an elevator, smug in the fact that she has probably already solved this mystery and is choosing to keep the answer to herself. <laughs> Becoming more human by the day by now enjoying enjoying Schadenfreude. <laughs> yes, and uh, Chell proves us that maybe space friendship wasn't magical after all, because all it takes is a few people knocked out, very clearly forcibly mind melded, uh, for the the honeymoon period to wear off and those old battle lines to start being redrawn. Six years later. This motherfucker is all Alex Jones about how it's a conspiracy the moment there is turbulence. Jesus. All of you have been through so much together, yeah. right? 
there have been space whales that have been slain by the guy who narrated Civilization Six. <laughs> like you've you've no Civilization Four. Sorry, uh, <laughs> Six was Sean Bean. You have beat the Borg like eight zillion times. You've had like three bioweapons stored on board. Seven of nine has shot up engineering at least five times. But yeah, no, no, it's all a conspiracy. Like yep. no camaraderie from Chell. None. Nope. Uh, pacing's real slow and goofy on this. It, it's interesting that this is Rick Colby's last episode. Rick Colby has had some great episodes under his belt, but I do, you know, again, I feel like this is a real throwback to the early season stuff. It's, it's not enjoyable and really bleeds through. It's hard for me to kind of comment on the episode because things go so slowly. I think the next. I honestly honestly forgot how slow it was. I, I had fond memories of it and I don't know why, you know, like it just takes forever to actually get to its fucking point. And then it just ends. We find out that Chell has become separated from Balana because she didn't want to walk around with him, probably because he's such a fucking negative Nancy. Went to the Neelix school of wandering off by your fucking self <laughs> and getting your goddamn lungs stolen. <laughs> Chakotay goes to track her down by himself. Brilliant. Don't bring the Vulcan, you know, the super strong person. And finds her knock the fuck out cold on the floor. We haven't seen... Balana, this knocked the fuck out since the last time Tuvok knocked her the fuck out. <laughs> which was in our season seven uh, opener. Which was what? Was that? Unimatrix Zero Part Two. Unimatrix Zero. Yeah, uh, rose the, the pimp hand and just took it way back <laughs> and mm-hmm. knocked her out of the fucking episode for 20 minutes. <laughs> so firm was his pimp hand. He knocked her out of the episode for this one again. So Chakotay's uh, like, oh, snap. What is it? And I think this is kind of the big reveal now, finally, that, oh, wow, it's Chakotay who's the bad guy, just in case you haven't been paying attention. Tuvok, you mean? Oh, yeah. I don't know. Just in case you've been paying attention to the episode at all. Yeah. Tuvok's actually the bad guy. There's a little scuffle. Much to my surprise, Chakotay is able to reach down and grab an emergency pipe. Yes, he got his hands on a space pipe. I mean, it was obviously, it says, this is this cargo bay. So he's right in the uh, seven of nine gun nook. So I was kind <laughs> of expecting a phaser rifle, but no, instead he gets a more dangerous weapon. He gets a space pipe. Tuvok immediately ready to deflect. And in fact, uses the space pipe on him. Listen... You got to remember, you bring a space fight, a space pipe into a space fight, that space pipe might get used against you, right? That's space yeah. pipe uh, 101. Now this, is, now, this is not the case if you're a space Nazi and Janeway has the space pipe, as we found out when the not when when the when all of the Herogen decided to, to play act as Nazis. That's when a space pipe is always effective. Very deadly. Uh Chikoke gets knocked the fuck out. Uh, Tuvok, very perplexed at what's going on. You know, I've tried to to crack the code here in this case. At every turn, I'm thwarted. I'm trying to do everything within my power to figure out who's here, other than, you know, really get detailed logs from the computer as to, like, where everybody was during this point. And 
and oddly just gla- grazing over yourself every time. Uh, he falls back to his quarters, a.k.a. Club Tuvok. I love Tuvok's mood lighting. Oh, yeah. He's got the most rad, I, I guess you, you would call it like 90s aesthetic when it comes to this, this sort of neon purple... He's got his Mortal Kombat robes sometimes. Not in this episode, right? No, like it's not here. He's got he's got a a whole vibe in his quarters. He gets his badass retractable sink out and washes his face down, strips off his uh duty uniform so he's just in that goddamn purple sweater. <laughs> Your favorite. I hate it. I hate that and, almost as I hate the uh the fucking wrist flashlights. And he starts having these visions of the creepy Bajoran guy and eventually finds himself back in the holodeck where they're having CSI moments, trying to figure out like these hollow images, you know, of, you know, who this person was that attacked Tabor and, and Tuvok has put it together and he essentially finds out he's been covering his own tracks. He solves the mystery in front of the captain and Harry Kim, who, by the way, like he interrogated earlier and Harry Kim gave him like a ton of sass and like was super shitty to a superior officer for no fucking reason. Except maybe, I guess, because they wanted to do a lot of like pushing shots of Tuvok swallowing super hard because like it, the generous interpretation of what's happening here. And to Tim Russ's credit, he tries his best to carry this in the performance is that he feels super frustrated by this case because he knows subconsciously he is responsible and he is just trying to get that knowledge to the forefront of his brain. Right. Like that's what's actually going on. He's he's trying to figure out who did it. He's the one doing it. And it's basically him trying to figure, you know, out that he's the one that's responsible subconsciously. And this is him finally coming to 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 bring that to fruition of like oh it's me all along put me in prison i don't know why i'm doing this but it's me look at me i'm the great and powerful detective tuvok i finally figured out the person clubbing everybody is me <laughs> i was bored <laughs> i'm so smart i've created a crime and i tried well, wasn't that like the plot of backdraft Yes, I believe it was. What year did Backdraft come out? Is this another one of those, like, <laughs> ooh, we should rip this off? Can we get the... Uh, uh, 91. Oh, oh that's... Man, that God, ew, that was Ron Jeez. Howard did that? Yeah, and that had uh, Kurt Russell, right? Yeah, Kurt Russell. Because he, he, he was he was the bad guy. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, this is how much this fucking episode sucks, man. I don't want to talk about it. Well, it's not, fortunately, there's not it, all the bad stuff's behind us. Now the rad stuff is in front of us because now we get to talk about the bad shit things that we decided to do in the last couple acts. People start waking up and of all the people who wake up, it's Chakotay who they decide they're going to attach a doodad sticker box to the side of his neck for reasons, whatever. Um, Tuvok, who I will point out even in his distraught moment and running through the halls with just his turtleneck on, stop to take the com badge off of his jacket and put it onto his turtleneck. <laughs> just two lock things, I guess. I don't know. Uh, but he's locked up in the pokey and Janeway is trying to coach him through uh, some guided meditations because she did it one time with him and now she figures she's a pro. Uh 
Janeway, I feel like, is missing a lot of obvious cues here and then foolishly decides that she's going to go into the brig with the very powerful Vulcan that could rip her limb from limb. Uh, and the hallucinations start ramping up, right? This isn't just a fleeting image of the Bajoran uh baddie but now he's there actively communicating with Tuvok and the plot starts to reveal itself that while on his undercover assignment Tuvok was found out for being a spy by a radical within the Maquis movement whose methods were too extreme even for the Maquis they kicked him out but before that happened this guy was able to get Tuvok up on the operating table we get a little backstory of who this guy is Thanks to Chakotay. Uh, he is a Bajoran Vedic. Vedics are like Bajoran bishops in the sense of like in the religious ranking sense. They're higher ranking religious officials. They're not just like mere like Bajoran religious priests. They're they're like they've got some cachet. They're, they've been around for a while. So this guy was uh, apparently a fanatical Maquis member and deeply into mind control don't really get to know the last part of that it's like why why this sounds guys? like he'd really get along well with choke daddy tuvok yeah, i think what, they just came at each other the wrong way i think there could have been a really great bromance here and what we see in the flashbacks is this guy worked his magic on tuvok he knew he was uh starfleet he had figured out that he was actually a Starfleet officer, knew his rank at the time, which they correctly referenced because he's lieutenant commander here. He was lieutenant back then. Good job, writers. Got a detail right. Appreciate you. And what what we're starting to put together here as a consequence of of context clues for the 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 watcher, not necessarily for the the actual uh, characters in the show, is that. All of these mind melds have been intended to plant different mind control commands into the people he's been putting them into, and he's been targeting Maquis to do it, so there's probably some kind of connection there. And sure enough, for some reason, he taps his comm badge, and he's like, hey, Chakotay, go be a terrorist again, but in Bajoran. And he's like, sweet, I'm on it. And then we get to see the best Chakotay montage ever as he goes in room to room, blasting people like he's Danny DeVito. He walks into sick bay with his phaser and is like, turn off the EMH. And then Tom's like, uh, commander. And he's like, <laughs> he just blasts him and then gives the code word to Bolana. And Bolana's like, yeah, fuck that guy. Let's keep being terrorists. They go up, they go up to the bridge. They're like, the, the, Harry's like, oh, hey, Commander, glad you're back. I'm glad to be back. Blam, 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 blam. <laughs> Just blows everyone away. It's fantastic. You would think that in a situation where the majority of the crew had played the shit out of the co-worker murder simulator, you know, the one where the Maquis have a fucking <laughs> uprising, that the training simulation people played the shit out of, might have actually um, paid off in the end. But no, everybody gets got. And before you know it, the ship's back under Maquis control. Insert all the jokes we made about people digging out their dirty-ass terrorist clothes. Here, and here's what I on. don't fucking understand. First, 
It's like seven of them are supposed to take over the whole ship. There's like 140 fucking people on the ship. And seven of these dudes, mind you, a whole bunch of people are packing heat right now, right? So it's not like there's like, like no gats lying around. Seven of them apparently act with such audacious violence that they're able to seize the entire ship and confine the rest of the crew. That's suspect point number one. Suspect point number two is one of those 140 people is known workplace violence auteur seven of nine. How the fuck is she not involved in like resisting this nonsense? I I didn't even consider that. Like my, my, I just wrote seven of nine off as like, she would have been able to solve this plot in like 14 seconds and and then I just kind of like I have to mentally forget she exists, which clearly Kenneth Biller also clearly forgot she exists because as he just pointed out, like she has besieged this ship four, four times maybe now, right? Yeah. And what could they have possibly done to put her in check short of someone going up and roughly grabbing her by the arm? Right, which is the way you ennobleize all women, which they do to Janeway in this one. I hope, if you notice, Chakotay <laughs> grabs her by the arm, therefore immobilizing her. What the fuck? <laughs> what about Seven, though? Like, they didn't even have... They, they couldn't even be bothered to, like, pump knockout gas or some bullshit into her... Her, her cargo bay to, to handle yeah. or just lock the fucking or like door. Or like when she's regenerating, like short-circuiting her or whatever. Like zero explanation of how Seven of Nine is neutralized in all this. Or like how they just neutralize the other 130 members of the crew, including two dozen other Maquis people who didn't get the night-night juice. I fully believe, well, I can I can believe that voyager is not good at repelling internal attacks they've fallen victim to just about every strand of space hillbilly that they've encountered with very few examples where they're able to hold their own so i get it I get, is uh is neelix in this one at all he's like in the very end in the theater and that is it i'd like to see him fuck some people up too yeah like him him and seven of nine back to back Ooh, there's, <laughs> there's the buddy cop adventure i want what god what was that the schwarzenegger one with was it with danny devito where it, they're twins twin no no the, was it red red heat is that the one where schwarzenegger was oh. the russian cop oh yeah 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 i do think it's and red he's with something the yes and it's yeah it's with uh steve Bush, not no it's which uh belushi belushi the, the right, bad so... belushi the not funny belushi Replace Belushi with uh, Neelix, and then Seven and Nine gets to be Arnold. And I mean, I could buy Jerry Ryan in a Russian accent. Like she's already mm. like tall and imperious and blonde. That's just That's all... my fetish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, well, but I think your fetish actually shows up in the next scene, which is when they go to the ready room. You know, everyone's got their terrorist gear out. Smoldering catchers there. And there's smoldering Smol- catcher guy. Just let's take a moment to appreciate Lieutenant Ayala, shall we? In reality, this guy is nothing, right? This mm-hmm. dude gets one line of dialogue, I think, in the entire fucking series. And from all intents and purposes is just a persistent background guy with very little agency in any scene that he is ever in. Right? Correct. That's what the script would would lead you to believe. But the force of personality that this guy has, 
is someone you would never fuck with, right? He's he's got this brick jaw that he has maintained for this entire run of this series, right? Like his look has not faded an inch, right? He's always got that mean mugging sort of like iron will kind of steely eyed determination to him. He's looking around the room like everybody's in character, like we're space people. He's like, I'm a lacrosse player and these are a bunch of fucking nerds. And if anybody tries to make me look stupid, I'm going to fucking punch him in the mouth. And that's the look this guy's got on his face the whole time. And it just it sells this persona of like. This dude's serious business. And if you have just freshly taken over the ship and it is time to establish your new court and you might have to do some executions. This is the guy you want in the the room as your enforcer. And this outfit is just the most amazing thing. You have to wonder how it is that he's dressing up for the day, right? Like Mayella, I'm going to put on my fatigues for working in my, my Maquis murder. I live in a post scarcity society. I can have literally anything I want. Everyone's kind of going with this sort of, you know, uh, urban fatigue look. Okay. I'm going to dress like a goonie. (laughs) I'm going to put on these giant padded shoulder vest thing that makes it look like I'm calling balls and strikes. Like, and and they just they busted out again for him for this I'm gonna scene. dress like I'm an undead character starting off in WoW. And he, they put him in the back of the room with a phaser rifle to like stare daggers at at uh, Tuvok, and he's literally there to execute Tuvok if Tuvok does not show sufficient loyalty to the crown. That's what this guy's doing in this scene, and I love it. I love it. This scene's actually pretty cool, right? So Tuvok has been uh, instrumental to leading this rebellion. Uh, I'll go ahead and say it. I mean, I was upset when they turned the doctor into a two-dimensional villain back in um, uh, with the fucking Equinox. Yeah. Was it Equinox? Mm-hmm. It was Equinox. So, so, so just as bad as it looked when the doctor has his ethics subroutine disabled and he becomes your weakest shit award dr evil i will say it is pretty silly that through a brief mind meld that such subversive uh, mesmerisms are able to be put in place you know if these guys were all acting robotic or dazed or just completely off that would be one thing but for all intents and purposes this is chakotay and this is torres and this is uh, you know, these other characters, except for the fact that all loyalty has been erased and they've been like reset to the pre caretaker mode. Right. So it's dumb. And again, I think if this was earlier before seven years of being through the, the thick and thin together, it, it would have been a little bit better. Wh- whatever. That's weak. It's stupid. It's shitty. These scenes here. Pretty cool. So uh, despite the fact that Tuvok has impregnated everybody with these rebellious tendencies and, and given rebirth to an active, thriving Maquis, uh, at the end of the day, he's still a dirty traitor that got them all caught in the first place. So uh, as you were saying, he has to prove his loyalty. So Chakotay drags up uh, Janeway from the brig and hands Chakotay and Phaser and says, there you go, buddy. Prove your loyalty. It's the classic, I, I knew the gun wasn't loaded moment. 
where he has to assess, do I point this weapon I have been told is set to kill at Chainway and pull the trigger? And he does, in fact, do so, pulls the trigger. Nothing happens. It is not charged. His loyalty has been proven. Guard is immediately put down. And, of course, that is when Tuvok's like, excellent, neck crab. Let me erase all of that brain stuff I did to you. Sorry, we need to fix this. And again, no explanation for why it is Tuvok has beaten the conditioning. It's just clear that he has, that he knew that he wasn't going to kill Janeway. And that is when we get a very rushed end where they go back out and they're like, this planet we're about to put everybody on isn't correct. We uh, need to find a new one. And brainwashed Balan is like, you're full of shit. And they're like, nah, well, we got guns now. So (laughs) fuck off. And then they immediately start, they're in the brig. You know, <laughs> and they're like, sorry, Kathy. I'm sorry about that. I suppose my bad. It's my bad. Uh, she actually looks sick. pissed. She looks pissed at Chicote. Like, uh, we done? We done with this? Are we done with rebellion now? How about are we? How about that, champ? Remember when you tried to fuck me and I picked the monkey instead of you? There's a reason for that. <laughs> <laughs> no hard feelings to be found. They get over this mutiny. Uh, faster than Tom got over being a lizard and having lizard babies with yeah, yeah. The next scene is they're like, let's go watch a movie together. Yeah, well, that, literally. That was a wacky adventure we just had. Ah, I remember we had a long deserved <laughs> mutiny. We all shot each other. That was crazy. Hey, I got this really cool voyeur simulator. Do you guys want to go check it out? Yeah, yeah. let's watch Creatures of the Black Lagoon. Seems legit. And uh, you know, they go in, see seven, get Neelix. Everyone's there. And then and then uh, Janeway just sits down Tuvok. Where been? We were just on a zany adventure where the Maquis had an uprising. Oh, we've just been fucking like rabbits here in the holodeck in front of all these hollow characters. It's been great. <laughs> Apparently, I, you know, uh, man, what a fucking pairing that would be. What a fucking pairing. Seven of Nine and Neelix falling like madly in love with each other. Oh, like not reserved at all. Like they're just, they're each other's fetish. In my mind, I wanted to just suddenly like have a picture of Jerry Ryan's boobs in those tight outfits. And instead in my mind, I saw Neelix's feet with his toes fused together. And I think I'm going to be sick. It it was like, I I thought I was like putting a spoon of sugar in my mouth and it was like rancid milk. Um, Speaking of being sick, this episode sucked. (laughs) This is one of the worst episodes in a long time. Uh, uh, hold on, hold on. There was maybe it's because it's a couple. This is months basic our, bad. This isn't yeah. like criminal genre distorting Q in the gray. If this isn't like the 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 malicious trudge of uh, a logian, but this is just some overly basic, boring poop around time. I mean, there, there's some laughs to be had in here, certainly. I did like you mentioned Jane one. Wait. You mentioned one small step earlier. You referenced it when you mentioned. Yeah. The, I'm sure glad we had that episode where Chakotay gets nearly gets everyone killed trying to find some fucking old, you know, NASA spacecraft. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's that kind of bad. That's like right where this kind of lives. Which is why does this episode exist? Why is it's, this season seven? It's, it's just kind of generically shitty. But I can answer the why is the season seven. It's because they felt like they needed to do a Maquis thing before they wrapped the show up. And this is what they... And again, this would have been fine as a season four, maybe even a season five. It's it's 
too late for the story. And if this is your send off goodbye to the Maquis plotline, what a terrible botch. I think there's way better stories that could have been told here. If you wanted another, if you wanted some sort of a Tuvok dealing with internal trauma, um, exploring things with Lon Suter and, and the darkness that lives in Tuvok could have been great. There was a good part in this episode when uh, Chakotay's initially throwing Janeway in the brig where Janeway's trying to um, rational, like to, 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 to rationalize like what's yeah, going to on reason with Chakotay and yeah. be like, listen, dude, we are forever away from the alpha quadrant. Like you are the only Maquis left. What, what Cardassians are the kill? This is, this is silly, but you know, he just kind of brushes it off. There could have been a good Maquis story to tell here with an actual loyalist element within the Maquis trying to advance plan out. Like, listen, when we get back, we're going to have to, you know, and and that conspiracy coming to light and the Maquis having to turn on themselves and make a conscious decision. Like, are we still these people or is it time to grow and exercise that element out of us? Uh, and, and none of that gets brought up here. Instead, what we get is an episode with really some of the worst elements at play in Voyager. We've got Detective Truvok, which is terrible. Uh, heavy play on dreams and hallucinations, which is terrible. You've got Tom and Bellana relationship, which is terrible. You've got Maki fatigues, which is terrible. It's just Maki it's a poop fatigues sun- are awesome. They're awesome. Uh, They're different kind of terrible. They're it's terribly bad. Listen, man. I, we got I'll, to see the smoldering catcher guy outfit. One I'll give you a pass time. on smoldering catcher, but every time I see, and especially you're gonna keep these fucking clothes around after the 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 coworker murder simulator, where like everybody has played through shooting you wearing these clothes over and over again. Like I think that Tuva or that Chakotay after a certain point, but like, man, that vest looks fucking stupid on me. I, I'm gonna throw that thing out. I'm never wearing that again. No, he, he he has it still stowed under his bed, ready to go. This is a silly episode. This is a bad episode. Well, it's a silly episode. It is a bad episode, and it is behind us now. So, what are we watching next week? Moving on, we are going into season seven, episode five, Critical Care, and there is Neelix and uh, Janeway standing out in the hallway. The Doctor is kidnapped from Voyager by an alien who sells him and his mobile emitter. To a hospital hovering above a densely populated planet. High stakes. Uh, you kind of get a little bit of a feeling from Virtuoso where the doctor has left to go to a greater purpose. Um, sounds like they're going to be stationing him somewhere in Bespin, the Cloud City. And uh, I would say this seems interesting. Joe, do you remember this? I do. It's good. Well, I, I could I... really. It's going to take some Picardo to pull us out of this rut that uh, re- regression or repression has left us in. I agree. Uh, and I apologize for being so badly incorrect in assessing this as a, something I remembered not being terrible. I don't know where that came from. This was just God awful. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> it was this bad. I'm sorry that we have been led down this road. We'll see where we go from here, man. All right. 
Thanks to everybody listening to Future Please Hate the Voyage of Delta Quadrant. We appreciate you. Email us. Find us on Twitter. Find us on Facebook. Facebook group. Find us on Patreon. You know the drill. See you next week.